Perspectives on Easter, a Tent and Thrive special. My name is Claudia Perkula, and I was born in Nebron, a small town in ancient Gaul. My parents were wealthy landowners, and I spent my childhood surrounded by the beauty of our family estate. When I was 16, I met Pontius Pilate, a Roman nobleman who had come to Nebron on official business. He was older than me, old enough to be my father, but he was charming and sophisticated. My parents were taken with him, and I found him fascinating. When he asked for my hand in marriage, my parents agreed. I was happy to oblige. I was looking forward to travel and adventure, but the first years of our family life were quiet and peaceful. Heaven blessed me with a son, and he was dearer to me than the light of day. I shared with him my leisure hours, my sorrows, and my joys. But as the years went on, I grew restless. I missed the quiet beauty of Nebron, and I longed for the simple pleasures of my childhood. I especially wanted my son to see the beautiful statues and run around the soft groves of my birthplace. Then Pontius was appointed curator of Judea. During the time of the Republic, and indeed during the reign of Caesar Augustus, governors were forbidden to bring their wives to their posts. However, this law was repealed by the Senate when Tiberius became emperor. So we traveled to Jerusalem together with an entourage of servants. After some time, I came to love this fertile and rich province which my husband had to rule. But it was also a place of tension and conflict, with different religious factions vying for power. And we were not welcome there. The Hebrews called us foreigners and aliens. They said that we profaned their holy land. I passed the time with my son in silent forests where deer fed on olive branches, where palms with their delicate fronds, more beautiful than Delos, rose over blossoming orange trees and under fruit-bearing nards. There, in the cool shade, I used to sew covers for the altars of the gods or to read verses of Virgil. Only one family in high society showed us any kindness. It was the family of the director of the synagogue in Capernaum, Jairus. I would visit with his wife, Salome, and their daughter, Samida. They loved to speak to me and my son about their god and would read to us from their holy books. Samita's voice sounded like the strings of a harp when she sang holy hymns. After some time, when she was twelve years old, Samita fell ill and died without much suffering. I went to their home to mourn with her mother and found a large crowd gathered outside. A group of men approached the house, including Samita's father, three other men dressed in in coarse clothes, and a man who was also simply dressed, but who was tall and striking, and who had an air of authority about him. The crowd parted to allow this group to enter the house. The tall man went to Samita's bedside, took her hand, and said, Maid, arise! And as if she had just been sleeping, Samita rose from her bed, and she and her mother embraced each other. At dinner, I told Pontius what I had seen and heard. He lowered his head and said, You saw Jesus of Nazareth, the object of hatred and contempt of the Hebrew leaders. I was confused. Why would anyone hate this man, I wondered aloud. My husband responded, because he calls them out for their questionable morals and hypocrisy. I once heard that he said this to the Pharisees, 
whitened sepulchers, breed of vipers, you impose heavy burdens upon your people, but you do not lift a finger for them. You give God a tenth of the spices from your garden, yet you neglect the more important matters of the law, such as justice, mercy, and faithfulness. I found this troubling. Still, in the following weeks and months, I heard many stories about Jesus and the amazing things he was saying and doing throughout the province. As the day of Passover approached, a large number of people from all over Judea and beyond gathered in Jerusalem to solemnly bring sacrificial animals to the temple. This was a significant and important holy day for the Hebrews. Yet, prior to the holy day, Pontius warned me that Jesus' future was very uncertain. A conspiracy was brewing against him, and it was possible that he would be handed over to the high priest on Thursday evening. I was frightened when I heard this and asked my husband if he would protect the teacher and miracle worker. Pontius replied, Can I? The fate that Plato spoke of, which he predicted would befall righteous men, will also befall Jesus. He will be persecuted, treated with contempt, and delivered to a cruel death. That night I had the most frightful dream. I saw Jesus, his face shone in majesty like the sun. He flew on cherub wings, and a fiery flame executed his orders. There was an assembly of people before him, and it seemed that they were waiting his judgment. With one gesture, he separated the righteous from the wicked. The first, the righteous, were raised by him to the great eternity of divine salvation. But the second, the wicked, were thrown in a fiery sea. He turned his attention to some people whose faces I could not see and showed them wounds that were all over his body. You have shed innocent blood, he said to them. To these men who began to cower in fear, asked the rocks and the mountains of the earth to swallow them and to cover them. I woke up from the dream feeling afraid and disturbed. I ran from my bed and looked for my husband. I found him near the judgment seat in the main chambers, already dressed, although it was just after daybreak. His face showed deep concern. Have they arrested Jesus? I asked. Yes, he replied. Even now he is being interrogated by the chief priests. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, I begged Pontius. I have suffered a great deal in a dream because of him. He gave me a stern look and said, Go back to your apartment, Claudia. It is not safe for you here. The people are in a state of frenzy and might turn on anyone, even the wife of the governor. I will do what I can to protect this Nazarene, but you must stay away from the crowds. I hesitated, not wanting to leave my husband's side, but I knew he was right. I took my son and hurried back to our apartment. From the window, I could see the tumultuous crowd surging towards the praetorium, and I prayed that my husband would be able to keep order and prevent any violence. A couple of hours later, I got word from one of the servants that Jesus had been brought before my husband. He was charged with inciting people to riot, forbidding the people to pay their taxes, and claiming to be king. Pontius engaged with him for a while, and then sent him to Herod, the local ruler. Later that morning, I heard that Jesus was back in the judgment room. Ignoring my husband's orders, I went to see what was happening. I hid in the shadows, but within line of sight of what was going on. With bound hands and clothes torn by blows he had suffered, and with a blood-covered forehead, Jesus of Nazareth, calm and undisturbed, 
stood before my husband, who was sitting on the ivory throne. No signs of bitterness or fear were noticeable on the accused man's face. He was quiet like an innocent and peaceful like a lamb. I could not stop myself. I moved out of the shadows and gestured to my husband. Surprisingly, he stepped away from the throne and walked toward me. Desperately, I told him, take care and do not raise your profane hand against him. Oh, believe me that a single drop of this blood may be your damnation for all eternity. He responded harshly, be quiet, Claudia. Your eyes are not made to watch such a frightful spectacle. Then he directed one of the guards to escort me out. When Pontius came to our apartment a few hours later, his face was pale and drawn. He told me that the Nazarene had been tried and sentenced to death by crucifixion. I felt a sense of horror and disbelief. How could this be happening? I had seen in my dream the terrible fate that awaited those who rejected the Son of God, but I had not imagined that it would come to pass in such a brutal and cruel way. I remember the stories Salome had shared with us about times when the Hebrews had rejected their God and how they suffered because of that. I wondered in which ways we would suffer.